Alrighty, we are ready to get back for this week's podcast. We are actually it's two podcasts a week now is what we bumped up the mm-hmm. schedule to. Yep, uh, the, a week, Monday the, and Thursday. Monday and Thursday. The response has been good, and Jeff and I like getting on our soapbox and just sitting here and, and, and chatting. And uh, so we want to thank everybody for tuning in, uh, whether you're listening to this on uh, the website or if you got this link from Twitter or whatever. We really want to thank everybody for um, tuning in. Uh, today we're going to be talking about an investing topic, and as I said in one of the prior podcasts. Um, Sort of the the schedule is going to be we're going to go over ideas. We'll do postmortem ideas where we talk about uh, ideas that we've invested with in the past and what happened, what the conclusion was, um, uh, general investing topics, and what else? We're doing Q and A's. Q and A's, and and we still have um, new investing ideas which we'll yep. have too. So yep. so you have ones that are investable as of now. Too. So so lots of content, lots of fun, and we want to thank everybody for. Uh, tuning in, uh, you could feel free to follow us on Twitter at at Jeff Gannon G E O F F Gannon G A N N O N, or you could follow me at uh, Twitter at at Focus Compound, and um, that's where you could certainly find us. So today we're going to be talking about diversification versus uh, concentration. Okay. Both of us are concentrated investors, yes, so I guess I've we been could. Accused of being very concentrated. Jeff's <laughs> ten times more con- No, he's <laughs> no. he's double concentrated typically <laughs> than I am. So Jeff's very. Uh, very good to talk about it. Um, you know, I think people say, a lot of people like to say they're concentrated. Yes. But when there's like really blood in the streets, it really shows if they're actually concentrated. Right. I can vouch for Jeff. He's a very concentrated investor and yeah. he sticks to his guns. So uh, that is the topic. So what do you, um, why did you always concentrate instead of be diversified, I guess you could say? So I haven't always. Mm-hmm. I started out very, very concentrated and I'm very, very concentrated now. In the in-between time, particularly from like, I don't know, um, 2000, if it was before the financial crisis, particularly, I, w- I was literally at my most diversified right before the financial crisis, I'd say wow. 2007, 2008. Yeah. So when you say most diversified, what does that mean? I think I own more than 10 stocks. <laughs> There's so many people that's like concentrated. That's why. So, so like what, like five to 10% ish, mm-hmm. eight, six, seven, eight percent. Yeah. Like it may have been that nothing was more than 10% at one point. Yeah. And did you diversify across sectors or are you talking just amount was, of stocks you own? I think it was because it was very value oriented. So yep. it was a lot of micro cap stuff. It was very value. It was a time when I started the blog in 2006, around Christmas, 2006, something like that. Uh, no, Christmas, 2005, I started. So um, 2006, 2007, 2008, if you read those very, very early posts, and you can only find them using the Wayback Machine, the archive stuff, um, you can see that I was like more of a value investor, like a quantitative value investor, I guess. I had read Graham and uh, a lot of value investing things, and I guess, um, and then you talk to a lot of people who are value investors, you know, you're in a bit of an echo chamber thing, a bit of a herd thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't like the way that it felt when things went bad when I was diversified. So basically, really, yeah. So basically, it's that I I've now gone through some periods where I was diversified and where I was concentrated that were tough for the market, uh-huh. and I was much more uneasy being diversified. Really, much more. Why? Because, because I like didn't every, know the companies as well. Okay, so you didn't have the conviction to hold it essentially. If the market fell fifty percent, I would not change a thought I have about BWX Technologies. Yeah. So it's just really just being more confident in your, you know. Yeah, and it's hard probably to feel that confident about ten to fifteen different stocks. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, um, because for me, the ones I feel really confident are, are like certain businesses that I understand well are sort of, sort of simple enough. 
Um, people don't think of some of the things that I've talked about as being simple. Like, you know, when I talk about nuclear reactors as being simple. But, like, they basically have one product line that accounts for a very big part of the business. Sure. They have one customer that's a big part of the business. Um, I, can't, I, I can't own GE. Yeah. I can't own 10 different regional banks. I can own, you know, I could own Frost. I can own Bank of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Those are the two banks that I feel like I can really wrap my head around and, and I would feel comfortable owning in any situation. Move out from that. I don't. Maybe I can do five banks. I don't think I can do ten. You know. Mm. No, I mean, and I could. I could definitely um, see that. So okay. So then you you were a constant, or uh, you diversified, mm-hmm. right? You own multiple stocks around the financial right. crisis, and then that happened. And then see, it's so interesting because like Monish Pabrai, he I'm pretty sure was way more concentrated before the financial crisis. Yes. And then the financial crisis happened, and I think he got smoked. And then yes. I think that made him. Um, focus more i read a presentation right, where I he referenced that. the financial crisis yeah. and, and i think instead of doing i'm gonna butcher the numbers or like 15 to 20 percent in a, right. a specific it idea like, he's more like a 10 percent right concentrated 10% less yeah yeah but then i've looked since then and he i think he owns a lot of indian things and stuff that aren't listed for him yeah so it's hard to tell so what he owns yeah. but i feel like he's moved more towards concentrated from that like that talk that you're talking about i think might be the absolute most diversified he was really because yeah. i think i saw the same talk you're talking yeah about. Uh-huh. and i feel like he may have then since moved from i think there. his whole fund is pretty much in india is it yeah a I lot know, i know I, a lot of it is know. well that's interesting because i have sort of I, I also concentrate in the sense of like i went 50 percent into japan mm-hmm. and just japanese net nets you know yeah and i'll do something like that um uh, so, so that sort of thing it, it does happen too. That way, uh, I've I've never been um, that diversified uh, that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, I started out more concentrated than I am now, even because I think I've said uh, literally on September 11th, I owned one stock. Huh. So, I mean, I remember that clearly just because of the events not, and then, yeah, and then sure. buying afterwards, Activision, and stuff right? And, and Activision. Mm-hmm. But I just put that out as a point not to to be um, as that particular thing mattering that much but i don't know how many people own one stock in a moment in time but i did mm-hmm. and it wasn't that weird for me that, that that was the case um so you know and and often i don't think i own more than five stocks i think i usually maybe own three mm-hmm. um then uh when i started investing though i started as like um owning an index fund mm-hmm. and then i dialed back more and more of it and brought as i found a new position so it was like a placeholder in a way yeah so when i first started investing it was like 14 or something i put like 100 percent into an index fund and then what I would do is once I found a good stock, I take like twenty five percent into that stock mm-hmm. and leave the seventy five in the index fund. So it's a way of like not buying something just because to get rid of cash, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. But then since then, I've never owned mutual funds or index funds of any kind. You know. Yeah, and I think it's pretty interesting. And Joel Greenblatt, he actually in, in Stock Market Genius, um, which as everyone knows, we're big fans of that book. Everyone says it's a it's a terrible title to mm-hmm. a really great book. Um, it's a great book, yeah, uh, our favorite. But he said that. He he sort of debunked the diversification thing, in, in like with some sort of statistical study in the first couple of chapters. Do you remember that? I think he pretty much yeah. said the conclusion was that if you own five to six or five to eight stocks, you could be diversified. Right. So what he's talking about is business, across different sectors, business risk. Yeah, which yeah. is what a lot of people talk about. Um, so diversification does work in doing certain things that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, what it doesn't do is what I think people want it to do, which is that I'm going to make a mistake, and by making a lot of different bets. It's less likely that any one mistake I make will matter that much. Yeah. That actually doesn't happen as much as people think um, because the difference – you get a huge amount by three stocks. Mm-hmm. And by 10 stocks, you have as much of that as you're ever going to get practically. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean if you own 30 stocks or something, maybe it drops off more. I, I think that Toby Carlyle did some research on this stuff. But like 20 to 30 stocks, maybe you are getting a l- more diversification like let's say out of a maximum of – 
saying that you could be by business risk diversified from zero to 100 mm-hmm. percent maybe you've moved five percent more by you know adding 50 percent to the number of positions you have that yeah. kind of thing happens and as, when you're sort of running a portfolio like that the thing is is that yeah you may if you lose money you're not it's going to make up for because you have multiple different names or whatever sure. but you're not going to make a lot of money on the upside either like you're not going to when you're right you're really not going to be right Another issue that people have with that is they often trim back the positions. Yeah, I totally understand the idea that people would diversify at first, mm-hmm. but to maintain that diversification, if you actually have, if you actually hit an Amazon, you can't maintain diversification. Yeah, because that's what happened. There's some people that I've seen um, uh, research on of people who uh, th- this is individual portfolios going back in the 50s and 60s and stuff, but they actually picked a really good stock, but what their thing was is they never sold anything. Mm-hmm. Well, if you never sell anything, you become very not diversified sure. in 10, 15 years because the great companies suddenly yeah. are 50% of your yeah, portfolio. that makes sense, yeah. So to stay diversified, you actually have to sell the the winners in your mm-hmm. portfolio to get yeah. it back down there. Like we were, um, Bill Miller is a great example because he um, bought into Amazon, I don't think, not not long after the IPO or something. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's usually like 5% of his fund or something like yeah. that. Five, it's not 10%. Well, it would be an incredible amount of his fund if he didn't sell it down. Yeah, you know? sure. So it, we're talking something that would have to be way over half of the fund mm-hmm. that's 5% because he has to, in a sense, keep selling it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because I think a lot of it, and I always sort of talk about, I guess, off podcasts or whatever, about uh, the rationale behind it. And I think a lot of the diversification came from brokers back in like the 80s and 90s and they wanted people to trade a lot i guess Mm because it's like if you own a bunch of different things uh, a bunch of different stocks the broker's making tons of money because they're trading a lot so i think like that's where a lot of the um the psychology came from to push diversification because i feel like if you there's a lot of focused investors who i'd say a lot of the successful ones Mm-hmm. I feel like are are more focused investors. Maybe that's just the crowd I follow. Because yeah. you know, there's traders that obviously there's many different ways to make money in the market. Right. You know, but um, maybe just the group that I follow. A lot of the more successful ones, they all employ concentration and, and focus, and kind of follow that same sort of philosophy in some sort of regard. Sure, of course. And, and there has been a little research on that that shows that. But you do have a little bit of the chicken and the egg problem there. In that, yeah. if we're encouraging people to be more concentrated, yeah. the reason why portfolios that are more concentrated probably outperform because mm-hmm. there's some research people who've had trouble finding concentrated portfolios that do terribly mm-hmm. but they can find concentrated ones that perform better and statistically you would expect theory would tell you that you'd end up with some of the worst losers and the best winners in terms of funds being concentrated ones that's not what they've really found mm-hmm. but a good reason for that obviously the biggest reason is that people will only concentrate in things they feel more secure about. Sure. So in a sense, what's happening is if if you are listening to this podcast and you're just going to take the same stocks that you have now and you're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to sell two thirds of them and put it all in, in the other third. Yeah. If you feel equally good right now about all your stocks, that's not going to work Yeah. Mm-hmm. because the whole idea of why concentration works better is because people are putting into their, the ideas they like best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, we should talk about where diversification can be helpful. And I have diversified at times. So for instance, I, I by my standards diversified. So for instance, I bought like six Japanese net nets. I could have bought one, I bought six. To me, six, and we could get statistically into this, six is as good as 15. Mm-hmm. But some people don't believe that, but I, it would be a lot more work to do 15 than six. And uh, I didn't have any basis on which to decide that. You have to trade around lots some tor- more in Japan. There's some commission stuff. It would have been more expensive to do 15 than 6. So I did 6. And I made no distinction between what I bought. I was just buying quantitatively. Mm-hmm. I don't speak the language. But much bigger than that 
I don't understand the culture, you know, in terms of the business culture. When I read about a company, what management is saying and stuff, I can't kind of parse the words of what a Japanese management is really saying about the company. Sure. Even if I have a really good translation, even if someone who understands it can translate it for me um, perfectly, I still don't have the understanding of the business uh, um, the, the the sort of I can't read between the lines in Japanese. Uh, I can't read Japanese at all. But sure. I mean that Japanese <laughs> translation. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I have translations of all sorts of things, mechanical translations of them, and they work fine for all sorts of stuff. Where I have a better understanding of the 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 culture there, um, the business culture, and I don't have that for Japan. And so there's no way that I could have done that. And these were stocks that often didn't have a lot of information on them. So I bought purely on like a Ben Graham type approach. Mm-hmm. So all I did is I said I'll I'll just buy everything that is negative enterprise value, more cash than all the liabilities. And you knew that some of them weren't going to obviously work out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and um to, and and had to have a profit for ten straight years. Those are my two rules. Mm-hmm. They actually all worked out. Oh, right. <laughs> they did. And um, but but it, but my point is I looked at what I did with those six, and mm-hmm. I've seen other people who were buying around the same time and did thirty. We got very similar results. Yeah, you know, um. And I just think that that's a good time to diversify when you don't know that way. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and um, I would do that again if I would because I don't have any special ability to select between different companies there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't buying on the business model. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about concentrating, I think we're often talking about concentrating in better businesses. I think it's a very big part of it. Yeah. Um, rather than concentrating on quantitative sort of things. Sure. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that you would concentrate as much I found a quantitative bargain, a Ben Graham type bargain? No, totally on a, a business model that I felt comfortable with. The, okay, a so business model like Apple, for example, right, that right. I don't I don't I know for I mean, I, I I wrote about it on the blog. Apple wasn't in the watch industry four years ago. Now they sell um the most amount of watches in in, in, in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And and every single product that they've come out with, I always say, Okay, that that, that I would never want to buy that, but I always end up buying it and then think, wow, like I really love this product so much, you know, and, and Apple being an ecosystem, that's a company that I would feel more comfortable owning right. 10 to 15% of than instead of just a basket of whatever. Right. Yeah. So we're talking mm-hmm. about more of a wide mode type yeah. thing. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, I, I, I bought Frost. It's done well. Um, it has happened of the five uh, banks that we wrote up um, to have done the best of any of them. Um, and this bank I like second best has happened to do second best out of those, <laughs> but on average they've all outperformed, um, and they've all are within twenty percent or something of twenty or thirty percent return um, since that time. It wouldn't you would have done okay in a basket of six, yeah. uh, five or six banks, uh, regional banks that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did buy just the one I liked best. Um, although I suggested to other people they buy both Frost and Prosperity, which are the two banks in Texas, because I know most people would feel more comfortable owning 10% of two banks than owning 20% of one bank like sure. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's definitely an interesting topic. And um, do you think a lot of diversification is good for people just starting out, for example, or do you think it's, do I, you think that not really I matters? Think, so here's the thing. I think diversification is terrible for your learning process. There you go. I think it's just yeah. devastating that way. Mm-hmm. And and I think it focuses you on trading and on thinking about prices. Yeah. Instead of actual exit businesses. strategy yeah. and things. Constantly trying to trim your own portfolio. Like I try to get away from that and focus on, let me sit down with a business I haven't seen before, study it, appraise it. And I try to make that as much as possible all the work I do. Yeah. And I try to encourage other people to make that what they do. Instead of talking a lot about should I double this position, should I have it, um, you know, it, taking care of 30 stocks in a portfolio, like there's a lot of time that goes into making decisions about that. Sure. Instead of coming with a new idea 
and especially learning about another business. Um, in a sense, you don't, I think, learn as much about the stocks that you own. Um, like when you're really concentrated, sometimes I think you know more about the businesses you pass on mm-hmm. than some people know about businesses that are actually in their portfolio. Interesting. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that's true in some mm-hmm. cases that, that I, you know, um, there are some people I've met where, you know, they have a good understanding of the business, but they own it. And I passed on it, but it's because I'm so concentrated that in a sense it was a top 10 idea for both of us. Yeah. But they it. own it and I don't, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So how concentrated are you normally? No. So typically, like, and I've spoken about before, I'm kind of at the 10% level. Definitely okay. not. I've never put 50% of right. portfolio in, in anything. But really, it's hard for me. I always say it's hard. Number one, I got to get excited about the idea. I think mm-hmm. you brought to me an idea once about, um, I don't even remember what it was. What well, was some underwater, underwater, something yes. like that. What was underwater. it? Underwater. Yeah. Underwater. Imaging. Imaging. Underwater imaging. Something like that. Yeah. And I was like, Jeff, I couldn't even get excited yeah. about this. Let's sit down and read about the 10 K. So if I'm not even excited about it, it's hard for me to do any sort of work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, and then the next filter is I won't do any work on a company unless I could see myself putting, uh, at least 10% in, in the, in the, uh, as a as a position but but no i think i to your point and i agree i think concentration is the better way to go i don't think you should lay out capital unless you feel fairly confident in the business model mm-hmm. and you always talk about um and one thing that i learned from you is thinking a lot about what the business is going to look like five years yeah. from now and it's it would be hard for me not it would be hard for me not to or to concentrate if i didn't think if i couldn't vision what the business was going to be look like two three four five yeah. 10 years down, you know, down the road. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I, for, for concentration. And I, I, yeah. And I mean, I've seen people's portfolios all the time where they own thousands of stocks or they own a bunch of mutual funds, which inadvertently they own thousands of stocks through those mutual funds. Right. Those things will tend to get you the same result. Obviously. And, and what are the returns that they get? It's, pretty much just the market yeah at that point you own it you should own an index fund. yeah i mean um, you, you could just go buy the spy and not yeah. pay a broker or a money manager and, and save on all the costs yeah. and because and just go ride the roller coaster because that's essentially what you're doing when you own a bunch of different stocks like that yeah we should say there are a few people like ben graham ran a, a, a sort of hedge fund uh closing fund where he had um 50 to 100 positions often but it was a very um not diversified yeah in a sense because of the really bizarre stuff that he bought you know and i have seen people that that's true for um i know that um the person who writes the blog um uh the uh cheap stocks blog um oddball stocks oddball stocks excuse me yeah um oddball stocks i know um probably is we'd say diversified but diversified in Ben Graham type stocks, mm-hmm. which is actually very different than owning an index fund. You're owning smaller stocks, you're owning real value stocks. So it's very biased away from being an index fund. So I don't want people to think that if you own 30 stocks that you basically own an index fund. But if you own 30 stocks and some of them are Dow stocks, yeah. you basically own an index fund. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a more uh, expensive way to do that. Yeah. W- one thing we should talk about, though, is like is because we don't diversify as much, is there some stuff we don't do that we would otherwise do? Like... You know, some people make some investments because, well, it's just 2% of the portfolio. Yeah. So I can do that. So it's like whatever. Yeah. yeah like we've talked about um, hostess brands. Mm-hmm. And I've thought for a while that if I was going to invest in hostess brands, it would be through the warrants, mm-hmm. which expire in, in November of 2021, um, rather than uh, through the common stock. Equity. Because it's already yeah. very highly leveraged business. And, and, and you know, it, the warrants are long term. Um, but there is the question of, well, I'm not going to put 20% of my portfolio <laughs> yeah. into, into warrants. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I, th- some people have talked to me about that saying, well, wouldn't this be something you do if you had smaller position sizes? Like mm-hmm. there'd be some things that you do that might have big upside, 
but they have too much of a risk of downside. On the probabilities, they sound good. They have a, a expected value that's good, mm-hmm. but there is the chance that you'll you'll lose money on them, and so maybe you don't buy them. Do you think that's true for having a concentrated portfolio? Probably, yeah, yeah. That certain ideas won't make totally it because I mean, I mean, if you put two percent, if you're if you have a bunch of different stocks right and you put two percent into a single name i mean you're probably not going to get killed on it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so in that regard to your point totally hey, i can 100 percent see that right but like i was looking today at um uh right aid albertson's mm-hmm. you know yeah. and what it'll look like and what the free cash will be and everything afterwards and because i thought you know these right aid shareholders might really just want to get out of the stock mm-hmm. and everything and then you know it's sort of like a spin off that way because they're yeah. going in it's sort of an ipo for albertsons which is a private company by going into a public company right aid um but i i can't imagine putting 20 percent into that but would i research it much more if i had 50 positions maybe probably you know and that would make me more of a value investor in a sense in that case it's very leveraged mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a value on on leverage basis it's kind of like warren buffett 1.0 or i guess just before mm-hmm. his 2.0 stage of yeah but yeah. you know he was very concentrated compared to other investors like who did ben graham stuff uh-huh. he would take ideas from ben graham's portfolio and then he would bet Cost, really big on yeah. the, the top five or whatever and ben graham had some really you know i've looked at the holdings that he had you can find them in some places and uh some of his he had some ideas in there that were a lot better than others yeah yeah but he did hold for a while that's the other thing that i think um like for me in a way if you're diversified but you hold for a long time that has some of the same aspects of being concentrated because you're trading so little yeah. that you're making so many so few decisions. The hard thing is if you are diversified and you're flipping stocks every year, you know that that's really hard to um, that's really hard to uh, uh, have a focused approach. Yeah, and I think like a magical formula. I think that's how he does it. I think at mm-hmm. the end of the year or whatever, he's got some sort of yeah. equation to to doing it. Well, perfect. Uh, got any more thoughts on the? On the topic? No, that's it. Perfect. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, you're sitting here or listening to Andrew Kuhn and, and Jeff Gannon speak. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Jeff Gannon. That's G-E-O-F-F-G-A-N-N-O-N. And I am at Focus Compound. Uh, feel free to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast, to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. And we'll see you in the next one.